All right, there it is. Uh, Chaos Theory over. It's only an hour right now. Jeff Howe, Jordan Scruggs. Yeah, Jake, those Lloyd Carr teams were really good. Um, Michigan's Michigan's starting to get back to that. Actually, they are back to that. So uh, it's good. Even though I think Jim Harbaugh is uh, an unlikable D-bag, it's good to see Michigan playing well again. Jordan, we got a lot a lot going on portal-wise. I, I feel like we haven't really touched on the Alamo Bowl, and that's probably because Texas hasn't even started bowl practice yet. They don't even start bowl practice until a week from today. So I do think it's worth mentioning, though, that Sark was asked about injuries last Sunday after the selection show. He said he's confident Xavier Worthy is going to be ready, confident Ryan Watts is going to be ready, didn't know about Austin Jordan. And Austin Jordan's been a really big part of the special teams, but, man, you you, you got to have Xavier Worthy and Ryan Watts, all all your capable pieces, all your formidable pieces, ramped up, ready, raring to go. Man, this is going to be the healthiest Texas has been in a while, just because it's the first time guys have had a chance to just get off their feet and and just let their bodies heal. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> vacation time is what all all the coaches want right now. Yeah. Um, tran- the transfer portal, the NCAA deciding to make the transfer portal window during like the home most important stretch of the high school recruiting calendar. Coaches already hated the NCAA. They only hate it more um, <laughs> now. So I know a lot of guys that are on vacations right now, for sure, including yours truly. Hey, real quick, though, because, I mean, I, every college coach I talked to before the NCAA instituted the early signing period. There were some coaches that didn't want it, didn't feel it was necessary, but everybody that wanted it felt like, hey, do it like late July, early August, right before we start our seat, right before we get into camp, right before the high school kids get into camp. That way, anybody that wants to sign early, they get it done, they get it out of the way, and and you still going to have provisions in there for coaching changes and whatnot, but get it done before football season starts. And then, you know, if you don't do it in that early window, then you carry it over to February. Well, the NCAA and its infinite wisdom decided, oh, man, we'll just put it at the same time as the JUCO signing period. What did you sit, man? You, you know, you had a situation several years ago where, like, Keontae Ingram is being hounded about why his NI, his, uh, NIL, his NLI isn't in yet. Dude's playing for a state championship game on the second day of the signing period. Like, he's he's got something pretty important on his plate. So, I man... I just think moving it back just makes too much damn sense, which is probably why they haven't done it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I want to get your thoughts on some guys in the portal, but just to a couple news items. You put in a crystal ball. Was it last night or the night before? I forget. Um, my days uh, around around afternoon time. Yeah, I uh, put in a crystal ball pick for. Uh, UTSA edge transfer Trey Moore. Um, he's actually visiting this weekend. I actually just reported that while we we're waiting to go on. Um, it's up on a board if you want to go check it out. A Horns twenty four seven visit should be the last visit of his recruitment process if everything goes to plan. Uh, the way it's known. been kind of orchestrated to me through uh, sources is that this is basically Texas is to lose. Um, so. Wow, you're probably like, oh, wow, how could they F this up? Like, it has happened before with, you know, every coaching staff. It just happens. I don't expect it to happen, uh, especially with some of the circumstances going on. Uh, his dream school is Texas. Growing up in, in Smithson Valley, uh, he always wanted to go to Texas. But fortunately, unfortunately for him, um, he wasn't recruited by Texas out of college or out of high school. 
So he went and made some money at UTSA for three years and, uh, you know, got his name in the portal, one of the more sought-after guys. If he ends up at Texas, that'll be a huge uh, boost to pass rushing efforts for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's had 20 sacks in the last two years, and he started 26 career games out of 29 career games. So um, definitely would be a huge boost uh, to Texas pass rushing efforts. I know Edge is probably like – I mean, you're always, you always want to take guys that you feel like can upgrade what you have. For sure. Um, but, you know, Edge is one of the healthier, more stocked rooms on the roster. So, not that they really need it, but you're always going to take, you know, help where you can get it. And, you know, that's what this is. I would think, Jordan, too, situationally, not every down, but situationally, if you wanted to line up in 40 personnel um, or or even just keep your base nickel personnel, man, he, he could, his body type, he could potentially situationally play some Sam linebacker for you. If you if you just yeah. wanted to, you know, if you decide, hey, um, you know, Justice Finkley or Ethan Burke or whoever that guy at best pass rusher is opposite Baron Sorrell, you want those two guys on the field. You want Anthony Hill on the field. You want Trey Moore on the field. We'll just let Trey Moore play some Sam linebacker, which I know, I know the idea kind of got kicked around a little bit, um, has been kicked around. That Colin Simmons could, I mean, maybe be used as a as a Sam linebacker, even though his his primary position is going to be edge being that buck linebacker, that buck hybrid in. But yeah, I think in the way Texas runs it, man, situationally, you could have some, you could use some of those guys in some Sam, Sam linebacker reps and like a, you know, you want your speed package, whatever NASCAR package, whatever the hell you want to call it for your pass rush package. Yeah. Um, I've always kind of been really interested in the people who, a lot of the people who are like, Oh, Colin Simmons can play you know, any of the linebacker spots, like, no, he can't. Um, no. <laughs> I, I like no. him as an edge. I, I like him as an edge. Um, and I think I that's that, what he's going to be. I know you said yeah. Sam backer. Um, yeah, Sam, he could play Sam situationally. It would have to be, like, a specific package you carve out where he has a specific role. Like, you're, you're not just going to throw yeah. – you wouldn't just throw now, what, out there and be like, hey, go play, go play Will Backer for this this series. Like, no, no. Yeah, no. No, everyone. So here here's the thing. I'm about to probably piss off a lot of people. Harold Perkins, I do not view Harold Perkins and Colin Simmons as the same remotely kind of, or not not remotely, the same talent level coming out of high school. Harold Perkins, um, I've never seen anyone like him. Colin Simmons, I've seen very few people like him. Um this is the thing with Colin that I'm worried about. There haven't been many 6'3", 225-pound edge rushers that have ended up in the first round of the NFL draft. It just doesn't happen much. A lot of people argue he can play linebacker, get moved around like Harold Perkins. He's only ever rushed the passer like in his – I think he's kind of a one-trick pony in that sense. Um, I think what is going to happen at Texas is like <laughs> – I love tweeting this every time I see it just because it's hilarious. But uh, whenever PK will put Burke – in coverage or like even I noticed Jamon Tapp, whenever he comes in off the bench, they, it feels like they do it with him more than anyone. And I just yeah. love tweeting like great, great coverage by cornerback Jamon Tapp or stuff like that. <laughs> um, but I think Colin Simmons will be really good at that actually, like just guarding the flat pretty much um, in his zone. I think yeah. Colin can do that for sure. Um, but no, Harold Perkins like is kind of one of one in a sense or, I mean, not not really. He is one of one. You want um, you want a better they, you want a better comp for Colin Simmons, probably. Go ahead. Uh, probably Caleb on Chase on. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, it's who, who, got, who got to LSU was like a 215, 220 edge rusher. And I just pulled up yeah. his com, his combine data when he went to the combine, 6'3", mm-hmm. 254. So. Yeah. Yeah, in the, with Colin, too. Um, and I'm not saying – whenever I'm talking about him this way, I'm not saying he can't do these things. But the best part of his game right now is speed. Um, he's – speed rusher he also you know he has a lot of moves as well um he's not incredibly he, he doesn't have a crazy wingspan i believe it's plus but i think only one or two inches um so he can't really long arm or, or strong arm anyone immediately as a freshman i don't think anyone is really expecting him to but i know there are like very there are casual fans out there who see him as a five star and probably think will come in and register like eight or ten sacks like I'm not expecting like, that to happen. Yeah, expecting him to be at edge what Anthony Hill was at, at linebacker this year. And I'm I'm not expecting that, namely because the path to the field was a lot clearer for Anthony Hill than it's gonna be for Colin Simmons because Baron Sorrell's coming back. And I, you know, Texas, they've they've got the buck and the jack, and you know, we can go inside baseball and discuss those two positions. But you know, Baron Sorrell's coming just back. The portal. Huh? Nair just Isaiah Nair just entered the portal. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll get to that breaking news here in just a sec. But to finish my point, uh, Sorrell's coming back. You've got Ethan Burke, Colton Vosick, Jamon Tap as of right now. Um, and I'm not saying Tap's going to enter the portal, but um, uh, Burke's uh, Vosick, Justice Finkley's coming back. So you you've got quite a few edge bodies in front of you to get on the field if you're Colin Simmons. He's good enough to give you something as a true freshman. But yes. Uh, that's all our, our overall point, not a Harold Perkins type. People need to remember, too, Harold Perkins was a spin-down safety. So you got to spin-down safety going to to play in a hybrid edge position. Um, yeah, that, that's just a totally, it's a totally different skill set, totally different body type. All right, that's the breaking news right now um, that Jordan just talked about. Isaiah Nayer has entered the transfer portal. Um, Jordan, quick note, do we have uh, – why why do all these announcements keep coming when you and I are on the air and like we're both preoccupied? Um, that's okay. That's what we got more people on staff for. Eric, Eric Henry is gonna be reporting on that for us. So Isaiah Nayer's in the portal. Jordan, we talked about it, man, and, and, and you and I talked about it then when it happened when you went to uh a couple of those camp practices. I kind of needed your your eyes, just another set of eyes to confirm what I was seeing, and I was like, man. Isaiah Nair just looks like a half step behind, you know, especially compared to where he was in, in, in that spring game, catching bombs from Quinn Ewers. And, and you agreed. It just, I, I, don't, I don't know if it was a confidence thing with him or, or what, but you can tell just getting out of his breaks, he just looked like he wasn't fully trusting that knee yet. And, man, Sark keeps that receiver rotation tight. And so, you know, not a lot of reps this year for Isaiah Nair. Uh, came to Texas with a ton of promise, and I do think he'll be a commodity in the portal because somebody will be thinking, yeah, we can get that out of him, especially if you're really starved for wide receivers. But that's the end. That looks like it's the end, Jordan, of Isaiah Nayer's tenure at the University of Texas. is going to be two seasons, one where he was shut down due to injury and another this past season where uh, I'm showing – this is according to Pro Football Focus uh, – he got eight total snaps in the Rice game, and that was it. That's all Isaiah Nayer played this season. So his Texas career, it, as promising of a start as it got off to, 
according to Pro Football Focus, eight snaps. How does he have two years left of eligibility? Um, He's class of 2019. That means if he uses all of them, he would have been in college seven years. I do. I think part of that's going to be so he's got his COVID red shirt. Let's it's see. probably the same reason that uh, Cam Rising and Casey Thompson get another year. If you can, uh, you'd have to get an injury waiver for for the extra year. So I, I definitely won. I, I think the assumption is he gets to you know because you got to apply for that that waiver to get an extra year. But I think like it, to me it doesn't matter because if Nayer has wherever he goes. If he has a big year, or at least looks like the guy he did before the injury, he's going to go to the NFL. So, you know, that second year of eligibility probably won't matter. Yeah. By the way, if there ever is a receiver that is about 6'3", 215 pounds, um, that's going to come out of Wyoming via the transfer portal in a year or two, his name is Justin Williams, or Justin Stevenson, Justin Stevenson. And... uh I'm just saying, I'm going to come back to this clip if he's one of the top dudes in the portal because I think he can be and having an Isaiah Nair type of, uh, I guess, leveling up. Okay, let's see. 2020, so 2019, it said he only played in one stat on the Wyoming website. Okay, so that um, would be a redshirt year. Yeah, and then 2020, he had eight receptions for 248 yards. I assumed he played in more than four games. Um, in 2021, uh you know, that was his breakout year, Wyoming, and then he transferred to Texas for the 2022 season, but obviously missed all of it. So he must have got – he obviously has a COVID year, um, mm-hmm. medical red shirt, and I guess regular red shirt. So that's how he's doing seven years. So um, he's a five, yeah. He'll be – next year will be his sixth year, and then, you know, the medical the medical would be seventh. Yeah. Um, oh, also – so while we're here, Matthew Golden, um, oh, he man. finally he finally yeah. entered the portal. Um, sorry, I'm just going through some. No, what you what you what people need to remember about Matthew Golden too, and why this makes sense for Texas to pursue him. First off, he's insanely talented at the receiver position. Second off, you're losing <laughs> Keelan Robinson. First off, he- yeah, he's good at football. <laughs> he's he's very good at the game of American tackle football. Second off, in addition to being bringing what he can bring you at the receiver position, you're losing Keelan Robinson. You're losing Xavier Worthy. Matthew Golden comes in and helps your return game right off the bat, so he can contribute there. You don't have to just hope and pray that Jonte Cook can fill that role. You got Golden coming in; he can do that. And third. Jordan, maybe most important in this deal, this is one of those few guys in that 2021 cycle that Sark, Sark actually wanted Matthew Golden. Like, they they pursued him. It was just, what was, yeah. he was committed He was committed to TCU. Then did he open it up, or was it just a straight flip to Houston? Nah, I so forget, he, he I'm pretty sure he just straight decommitted, and it was because that was in 2021, and they fired Patterson halfway through the season. Okay. Uh, really good eval by that TCU staff, by the way. Um if yeah. I remember correctly, he committed as like a sophomore or junior or some shit. Like he committed pretty early. And like, I mean, like y'all remember when Gary Patterson was at TCU, like at least every other year, pretty much every year, they would get like a four-star kid. And it's like, how the hell did they get this guy? <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. I, what? But I, I think that's what it was. Um, and then obviously uh, Patterson got canned. Um, and UH, man, I mean, Dekeel Schwartz is – Part of my French is a motherfucker, man. Like, the kill shorts is going to have a long coaching career. 
And speaking of the kill shorts, that's actually going to have a very big impact for Golden. Obviously, it's had an impact. I always reported that if he's brought back, the the chance of him leaving via the portal significant or goes down significantly. He's not being brought back, um, but he's in communication with a few uh, schools that are looking to hire him potentially as the wide receiver coach. I'm not really in the position to say which schools they are, but depending on if he were to land at some of those schools, um, Matthew Golden would have a lot of interest. And actually, and I'm, I'm going to report kind of more in depth on this later today once I'm able to talk to my source again. Um, but Matthew Golden like would love to play for shorts again. And if it makes sense and he's at a school that Matthew Golden feels like he can be successful at, like they will very much be a contender in it. Um, yeah. Other contenders as of right now, I actually was on the phone with the source right before I got on air. Um, I asked him, you know, five schools to watch out for. Who would you say? And I, I just wrote it down because you forget in days like this. He says UT, LSU, Georgia, Louisville, Miami. So Texas, LSU, Georgia, Louisville, Miami. Um, the source did say he thinks he's going to end up in the SEC, though. Um, but as of right now, like I, I've been reporting on Matthew Golden because I had very good sourcing there and mm. felt very good about his chances to enter um, the portal. And I felt very strongly that as talented as he is, he probably got Texas will want. Um, and so that's why I've been reporting on it. Um, you know, just because I've been reporting on it before he entered the portal doesn't mean I think he's going to Texas or that he is going to Texas. Like, there's still going to be a long ways to go there. Um, and for a lot of these guys as well, like, of course, the process is sped up in the portal because these guys only have 30 days really to find a new home or 32, however many it is. But, you know, a lot of these guys want to take visits. And for a lot of these guys that are coming from the lower ranks, FCS and stuff like that, they've never visited any of these schools before. They didn't. They weren't able to do that back in high school. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, uh, and again, as of like 10.50 a.m., um, no business have been set yet with uh, with Golden. Uh, Makuba, someone just mentioned Makuba, so I'll hit on that because um, I know people are going to want to know about that. He obviously, has some, yeah, he obviously has some visits set. Um, Hank South reported it this morning. USC, I Texas, uh, I forget where the other ones were. Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, and Ole Miss. So. What? What you got, Jordan? Yeah. No, uh, Andrew, Andrew McCuba's visits. Yeah. Oklahoma, Texas, Oregon, Ole Miss, and USC next week. So at least the Texas visit, he get to sleep in his own bed. Yeah. Um, so I wanted, I wanted to talk about that. Um, so Texas, I feel like, is in a good spot there. Um, but a decision isn't really even close to being made. Um, so he's going to be at Clemson until about the 13th, uh, finishing up finals, Makuba will. Um, and also, I guess while I'm on this topic, I've seen it a lot or seen it posted a lot of places that um, he has a baby who lives in Austin. While he does have a child, I uh, can confirm through sources, that uh, <laughs> that baby's been living with him and uh, the baby's mother, Andrew's girlfriend at Clemson this whole time. Um, I know his girlfriend was a Clemson student, so not sure if she's also in the portal, how that's all working. Uh, but I do know that just, you know, it wasn't an A.D. Mitchell situation where his son was yeah. living back home. Um, and 
you know, with, with Drew, being close to home would be something viewed as a plus in his eyes. But, you know, he went to Clemson over LSU. Texas was really not in consideration out of high school. Um, being close to home, you know, he's had to make that decision before, and he's not afraid to do it again. NIL is also going <laughs> to be really important here, just like a, a lot of the big time uh, portal recruitments. Uh, I yeah. actually haven't heard of a ton. I, I'm not sh- I know that Texas has not made an offer yet in terms of NIL yet. Um, I know some of the schools he's visiting have. I know some haven't um, besides schools not named Texas. Um, mm-hmm. But again, like this one, it, it does have a long way to go. Um, I'm actually going to be seeing my source for him this weekend. So um, should have at least something out of the weekend by the end of the um, So if y'all want to track there, Jordan but, and find out where he's going to operate in darkness yeah. undercover. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Follow him out but, of his uh, Lake Travis dwelling, hiding the bushes. And whatnot. Yeah, but yeah, but, uh, the, the one school uh, Jordan that I actually do worry about with Makuba, um, you know, Oregon, mm-hmm. not really Ole Miss, not really, not even really USC because you know. Yeah, I want to say right now I can't really tell you why, but like I would, uh, I would expect to. <laughs> I, it, he's not going to USC. He's not going to USC. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma, yeah. <laughs> if there's a contender, Oklahoma, Oklahoma's concerning just because when he went to play at Clemson, Brent Venables was the defensive coordinator there. So there's just that natural. And for whatever reason, man, uh, you know, Cade Klubnick, and we talked about it, man, some kids from, from the Austin area, for whatever reason, man, they just really like Brent Venables. They just really connected with him when he was at Clemson. Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, it was just how much faith and religion is brought into that program. Kate is like the most religious kid I've ever met. Yeah. Um, Drew was also big on religion. A lot of people don't know this, but uh, I mean, I assume people assume it with his last name. Um, but Drew and his family actually lived in Zimbabwe uh, the first couple years of his life before moving over to Austin. Um and living on the east side, and he was obviously, I talked about it yesterday or the day before, he was at Reagan before LBJ. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they're they're from Zimbabwe. Um, so uh, I guess that's that's a portal. By the way, dude, I, apparently, I, I, this ha- I had this happened on my radio show when I was on the horn, when I was at the horn. Somebody mm-hmm. told me I ran the, run, ran the risk of getting canceled because I refused to call Northwest or Northeast or early college preparatory. I kept calling it Reagan. I kept calling it Lanier, and I'm like, well, I've been calling it that my whole life. Like, it's hard for me to just change all of a sudden and say it. I'm like, why? Yeah. They're like, well, you had to change the name of John A. Reagan. I'm like, why couldn't you just call it Ronald Reagan High School? It's still Reagan. It'll still be the Dude, Reagan. Oh my Raiders. God! I remember in 2021, I was at a, uh, I was at a South Lake Carroll Midland Legacy, like second or third round game. It was a triple header at Globe Life uh, Field, where the Rangers play baseball in Arlington. And uh, I was just tweeting, like, live scoring updates, you know, like I always do, whatever. Mm-hmm. And some jag off, some booster for Midland Legacy or <laughs> Football Dad or some shit, like, walked up to me, like, why are you calling it this? Why are you calling it this? And I was like, what? He's like, this is Midland Lee. And I was just like, man, like, I'm, come on, man. I'm just trying to do my job cut me, here. Cut me some slack, man. Like, you know, I got to uh, call it what it says on the school outside. And yeah, yeah. I caught that. What's what's their mascot now? What's Midland Legacy's mascot? Because it used to be the Lee Rebels. 
I believe they still are the Rebels. I'm pretty sure. They had Rebels on the side of their helmet during that okay. game, so I assume they're still there. Let's take this to max preps. Okay. Shout out Marcos oh. Davila, by the way. Midland Legacy's uh, quarterback. He's going to Purdue. He's awesome. Uh, I only mention that because so San Antonio they, they Lee. Are, they are the Rebels. They are the Rebels? Okay. Uh, San Antonio Lee. San Antonio Lee was the Volunteers. They they changed their name. It's no See, this is what I think Reagan should have done something like this. It's no longer uh, Robert E. Lee High School, but it's, mm-hmm. it's still L-E-E, but it stands for like Leadership Excellence. I, I forget something else. It's like an acronym now. Yeah. But you can like still call it. It's still Lee High School, right? I'm like, why couldn't you do something like that with Reagan? I realize spelling out Reagan and making it an acronym would be kind of difficult, but you know, help 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 us help you, Austin ISD. That's all I'm asking for. Anyway, enough of that. But we're talking about Makuba with Oklahoma. Uh Clemson landed under Brent Venables, Clemson landed three really big time kids in the Austin area with Makuba, K Klubnik, and then Ian Reed, the big offensive lineman over Vandegrift. I mean, that was those were three pretty highly recruited kids. I mean, in Georgia, it's not like they had, you know, Clemson was one of their only power five offers. I mean, Ian Reed was a kid, you know, Texas and LSU, and he had offers from USC all over the place. Could have gone pretty much anywhere he wanted and ended up at Clemson. And, you know, the Brent Venables factor, you couldn't, couldn't ignore that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ian Reed was never going to go to school in the city of Austin or any city like Austin, if you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah. so that said, Texas was never in it for him. Um, him and his family just weren't weren't big fans of city city of Austin, um, and lived Listen, in the suburbs. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Ian Reed and uh, Ethan Burke play like on a select lacrosse team together or something? Isn't there I'm a not sure about that? I do know. Guys? No, so Ian Reed's thing. Um, was he was a rugby player and was rugby. Like, that's what it is. Incredibly yeah, yeah. athletic for however much you weighed and being, you know, an offensive lineman prospect. Um, that was Ian Reed's thing. He was just crazy athletic. And a lot of it was because he played rugby like that's right. high school and like the first yeah. year or two of high school before they really started putting some, uh, some weight on him. But um, it's actually during the season, I actually heard from a source that he could be a guy to maybe watch. On entering the portal from actually Clemson source, um, but he still hasn't entered the portal. I honestly kind of forgot he existed until you brought him up. I haven't thought about him since midseason or whatever. Whenever I talked to someone about that, um, but yeah, Ian Reed. Like I completely forgot. I was whenever you said three players from Texas or from Austin, I'm like, okay, Drew Klubnik. Who's the third? Ian Reed. You know, actually, you want to know the Vandegrift kid that I'm – I think it's hilarious, too, that uh, Blake Frazier, who I'm insanely jealous of, in his 24-7 sports profile picture, obviously committed to Michigan, but he's, wore, he's wearing a Texas hoodie and a Texas lanyard in his profile picture. So I think that's hilarious. But, you know, I his dad – oh, That was did? after the ju- the January junior day, yeah. Okay. Uh, Blake Frazier's dad played at Michigan on that. We're coming full circle here on it's only an hour. Blake Frazier's dad played at Michigan on the 97 national championship team. And it had to be one of the first recruiting trips Blake took up there. It maybe was a national championship reunion. I don't know, but I see a picture Blake posts on, on the Twitter machine and it's Blake standing next to Tom Brady and Charles Woodson 
And I'm like, dude, do you realize like my 12 year old, 13 year old self is incredibly jealous of Blake Frazier right now, being able to chop, chop it up and talk ball with Tom Brady and Charles Woodson. I've not been a huge Brady fan, honestly, I'm just not, just don't really dig the Patriots, but um, Charles Woodson, that term goat, Jordan gets thrown around a lot. And you want to talk about DBs. I know people will say Coach Prime and other guys. Charles Woodson may be the GOAT. All pro at two different positions. Won a Super Bowl. Defensive player of the year. Yeah. That's all I get. You ever heard of J.R. Smith? <laughs> He's like the Charles Woodson of basketball. No, I'm playing. There, is, there are people, though. I'm, I'm dead serious because this is just this, it keeps coming up on my For You page on Twitter. And, like, I keep liking it because I think it's hilarious. So it just keeps showing me more and more, you know, the algorithm. Um, but it's, like, this ongoing bit of people saying, like, J.R. Smith would be the best basketball player ever if, like, he never <laughs> was, like, off the Hennessy and shit all the time. Um, and just how he had so much potential. It's it's so stupid. But I think it's hilarious. I, I saw one that drove me nuts today. Uh, somebody compared – well, I guess one of the draft guys compared Marvin Harrison – Marvin Harrison Jr. to AJ Green, which man, if you watch Marvin Harrison Jr., that's not a that's not a terrible comp. But the me the 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 thing getting quote tweeted or whatever whatever we're calling it now, um, it's the guy. Somebody quote tweeted said that's pretty disrespectful to Marvin. He's more like Randy Moss. I'm like, I treat AJ Green like he's garbage, and then people are quote tweeting that saying, "Yeah, there's some people that don't even like recall AJ Green's prime in the NFL." I'm like, I can't be that old that people can't immediately recall AJ Green. Yeah, even I remember that. The NFL. Yeah. So they're always Randy Moss. Like, no. And this is where this is where I'm gonna be. Old man yells at Cloud. Like, if you didn't see prime Randy Moss like with your own eyes, then just don't say anything about Randy Moss because. I didn't see anything like Randy Moss before him. I ain't seen nothing like Randy Moss since. So let's let's just shelve the Randy Moss comparisons for Marvin Harrison Jr. or anybody. Okay, but like, be real with me. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver prospect that's been in the draft since who? And how long ago was that? Because he's in my lifetime, in my opinion, I've at least since I started really knowing ball, I guess. I think he's the best wide receiver prospect. Now, keep in mind, again, I'm only I'm only 20, turn 21 exactly one week. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is, in my eyes, the best, and it's not really close, the best wide receiver prospect I've ever seen. I mean, other than Randy Moss had his issues, right, which is why he fell into the 20s in the draft. Um, of the wide receivers I've seen come out in my lifetime, Probably the biggest, Jake just mentioned it, probably the biggest no-brainer, like, unless this guy just something goes awry. It, Calvin Johnson coming out of Georgia Tech was, like, the biggest no-brainer slam dunk. This dude's a future all-pro that I had seen. Um, shit, and it man, kind of feels like, like that's what Marvin Harrison Jr. is, like, slam dunk. Yeah, you know so it might, mean, he like might be the block. best wide receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson, if you think about it. It might be since Megatron. And then I, I've seen this argument on Twitter. I'm interested to hear what you think. Who do you think is a better prospect? Obviously, it's kind of hard because Kyle Pitts has been a pretty big letdown, but better tight end prospect Brock Bowers or Pitts in terms of NFL draft prospect. Say that one more time, Gordon. Brock Sorry. Bowers or 
Kyle Pitts? Uh, Bowers, because Bowers does more. I mean, Pitts was, to me, and that's this not knocking Pitts. I viewed Pitts as like a souped-up version of Jason Morrow. I'm like, mm-hmm. he's never, I don't know, you probably don't remember Jason Morrow playing at Tech, but he was a second. No, I remember, player. drafted by the Jets. Yeah. 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 Um, Kyle Pitts was Jason Morrow, but just just better, better, more athletic and better in just about every way. Um, but same yeah. thing. I mean, these dudes are basically flex tight ends. Like they don't they don't play in line. They don't block. And that, as a matter of fact, if you want me to have here my hot take of the day, um, I view Jatavian Sanders as a better tight end prospect than Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is a jumbo wide receiver. Jatavian Sanders, I've at least seen him be a willing blocker and at times be an able blocker. I don't remember seeing Kyle Pitts block anybody at Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'd have to leave Bowers. I don't know about hands down, but Bowers for sure. Um, And this is like kind of like, look, is Kelsey the best tight end in the NFL? Yes. I'm a 49ers fan. I think George Kittle's a more complete tight end. I think George Kittle's arguably the best non-offensive line blocker the NFL has ever seen. I mean, like he pancakes like guys like Everson Griffin and has done it multiple times. By Travis way, Kelsey it's, just it's, can't. It's hilarious. It's hilarious looking at draft. I'm looking to draft wide receivers to find you know that prospect. Like you look at 2009, mm-hmm. Michael Crabtree, great college receiver. Jeremy Macklin, Percy Harvin, Hakeem Nix was really good. In North Carolina, Kenny Britt from. Uh, Rutgers, who was taking first, Darius Hayward Bay, just because he ran an insane 40 time and the Raiders were like, hell yeah, he ran fast. We'll take him. <laughs> Did it a few years later with rugs. Yeah. Uh, um, but no, with I, I like Bowers more just because you can keep him on the field more. You know what I mean? And use him for different stuff. I don't think he's the blocker that Kittle is, but I think he's more of a complete tight end. Um but yeah, Kyle Pitts. I'll never ever be drafting him in fantasy, and I love you know. I'll like to flex. I never have. So I will say, just looking at this, Jordan, just just going through and doing kind of a rough view um, of wide receivers that have gone. Marvin Harrison Jr. I didn't think we'd spend this much time talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. today, which is no problem. Uh, he's probably the best prospect since that 2011 draft when you had AJ Green and Julio Jones come out in the same draft. Probably since then. Because none of these yeah. other guys, I don't remember being rated anywhere near that. Uh, you had the, <laughs> you had the, the CD Lamb should have gone way before 17 in 2020. I thought CD Lamb was a really good prospect. Um, yeah, I was pissed when the, the Cowboys got him. I was not, sir. Uh, you know, Jamar Chase was a, a really big prospect when he came yeah, and out. And he sat out a whole year, too. Yeah. So, I mean, prob- probably, I would say if it's not Jamar Chase, it's that 2011 A.J. Green, Julio Jones draft. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, somebody hey, said most surefire. Uh, Jake, Jake brings up uh, in the chat, and I don't know why. Sorry, but Rex and UT Parking, I just I just see Jake's comments, so that's why I reference him in the chat. So, no disrespect to anybody else. Um, Jake talking about tight end prospects. Taking it back to Texas. For you, just you personally, not you don't have to delve into sources or anything. Is tight end for Texas in the portal? Is it a luxury or do you think it's more of a necessity? Because the more I think about it, I think just from a number standpoint, 
if you look at need, it's probably a necessity. But if you look at numbers at this point, they probably consider it a luxury just because of their tight end numbers. Yeah. Um, the tight end, I don't – so Jaleel Skinner entered – I think we talked about this already on here. Yeah, he was um, in like Jaleel's, Tuesday probably. Yeah. Yeah, um, they're not – or we're not expecting him to pursue uh, Jaleel Skinner. Um, I forgot the, the Notre Dame tight end's name. Um, but I would say that that is probably – I assume they got highest on their board um, for tight ends, you know – like any position in the portal, they're not going to add unless it makes sense and it's an upgrade and the guys also uh, fit in the culture and the locker room and everything. So, but again, you know, we got a long time to go and Jake, you know, no one's really made their announcement on if they're coming back or not, but you know, X is Xavier worthy kind of had the mom thing with the hashtag and he was obviously expected yeah. JT Sanders yet for anything there. So, he has a chance to come back if he wanted. Yeah, you got Holden Stays as the Notre Dame kid in the portal. Um, I was just trying to pull up his recruiting profile, see where he's ranked. He is a top tight end in the portal right now, uh, number 13 overall. Coming out, the top 300 kid in the composite. Uh, our in-house rankings at 24-7. Had him as a four-star, number 21 tight end in the country, number 37 overall prospect in the state of Georgia. He's an Atlanta kid. So, I don't know, maybe – Maybe you do something there. Maybe you kick the tires. Uh, he was 2022. 20, so Jeff Banks, if he did recruit him, it was really, really early on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Rex, no, Devin Eric Clarington, I'm pretty sure, does not have any eligibility left. Uh, it's the uh, I haven't thought about Devin Eric Clarington in a minute. Um, uh, but I think the tight end numbers, Jordan, when you look at, you know, so just, we're expecting Jatavian Sanders to be gone. Gunnar Helm coming back. Juan Davis, even though we haven't seen much of Juan Davis his first few years, assuming he comes back. You know, Spencer Shannon's a guy that watching him in fall camp practice, he Spencer Shannon's a guy that I think could benefit from some of those developmental bowl practices. Uh, there's something there. I don't I don't know what. I don't even know if we'll see it in 2024, but I, am I wrong? You know, like where are you at on Spencer Shannon? I feel like I feel like there's something there. I just don't I don't know what yet. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't Watched a ton of him out of high school, um, but at fall camp, the the three or two days I was there, he, he there is something there for sure. Um, I definitely like his uh, path to the field and short term trajectory, long term trajectory, much more than Will Randall's. Because he's uh, so this thing Shannon's got going for him, you know that Will Randall doesn't. I just think they're different body types. Like Will Randall, I yeah. don't know how much bigger he's going to get just in terms of adding math. Spencer Shannon is yeah, so where, freaking long. And yeah, he's like what six seven? Yeah, like he's built like a five technique defensive end is really what he's built like. Like if you were recruiting a five technique, you probably want to recruit that guy with just long arms. Uh, you know, he's you know, Texas lists him six seven two forty one. I mean, dude, he could be two sixty in no time, and and he moves pretty well. I'm not going to say he's. I'm not saying he's Jatavian Sanders. I'm not even saying he's Gunnar Helm, but he moves decently enough that. I, like I said, there's there's something there with him. I'm he he's another one, man. I I mentioned DeAndre Moore would probably be number one if I'm talking like down the road when I'm looking at spring breakout players or just guys that I'm more, most interested to watch. Probably right now, my top three would be DeAndre Moore, Spencer Shannon, and Warren Roberson would be the top three guys that once you get to spring ball, 
I want to see what those three guys can do. I want to see, want to see what they did basically, you know, getting a red shirt year, but basically kind of sitting and watching by and large. This isn't my, uh, uh, this isn't my like prediction for breakout or for one of one of my predictions, I guess, for breakout players in the spring. But a guy that I'm just super, super curious to see in the spring and like how he's doing is Ryan Niblett. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, out of high school, you know, to be honest with you, I liked him way, way more than DeAndre Moore. Um, really? Okay. In terms of long term and getting drafted, I think of both those guys paying out that uh, Niblett is going to be the guy who gets drafted higher. Okay, um, now let me ask you this. How much of that had to do with the fact that you know DeAndre Moore played on just a, a team, uh, that St. John Bosco team that was just loaded with power five prospects? And as you said, Ryan Niblett, not a whole lot around him at, at all the Eisenhower when you went and watched him. Yeah, so the, the reason is uh, speed. Niblett has been verified. I can't tell you what it is off the top of my head. I know it's sub-11. He's fast as hell. Also, uh, the coaching Niblett got prior to Texas, it wasn't shit compared to what DeAndre Moore got. It just wasn't. He didn't. DeAndre Moore, DeAndre Moore, for those that don't know, St. John Bosco is one of the top prep programs in the country. Well, not he only went to St. John Bosco, I think, for a senior. He went to like three or four different high schools. He did. DeAndre Moore. He was one of those guys. You're you're getting, you're getting all, coached if you're a Bosco. Yeah, they were all St. John Bosco kind of esque, like like we're here to learn football, not school. <laughs> um, the and uh, yeah, shout out Cardell. Um, yeah, he just received a lot more coaching than the Niblet was. Niblet was so raw or st- rawer. <laughs> um, and you know, watching DeAndre Moore. I feel like he's not elite at anything. Like he's just he's all or and I don't want to say he's just all around good because like I think he could be an NFL player. Um but it, he's all around good where Niblet is just like that speed is game changing. And okay, again so, so let me phrase it this way then. Would you say with DeAndre Moore, DeAndre Moore's floor is higher than Ryan yeah. Niblet, but Ryan oh, yeah. Niblet's got a higher ceiling. Yeah. And now, while they are, yeah, 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 100%, nail on the head. While they are, like, kind of different receiver positions right now, like, I don't – how many snaps has Niblett played this year? You know what I mean? How many has DeAndre played? I can look Coming in for their freshman year, I knew damn well, like, Niblett is going to have the least amount of snaps of the three freshman wide receivers, like, without question. Um, just because he was the least ready, but in terms of – the talent level to what they could be leaving Texas, he had the biggest gap out of any of the three receivers in the Texas side last year. Uh, Ryan Niblett, DeAndre Moore played 58 snaps this year. Mm-hmm. Jordan, I didn't realize DeAndre Moore had 13, uh, 23 snaps in the Texas Tech game. I didn't realize he played that much against Tech. And then eight in the Big Toe Championship game, 58. Uh, Ryan Niblett played five snaps this year. Ryan Neville played how many? Five. That's yeah. according to Pro Football Focus. And by the way, no red shirt for DeAndre Moore because he's played in one, two, three, four, five, six games yeah. this season. He's so no on – I've noticed him. He's on kickoff return, I believe. Um, yeah, I've noticed him. Uh, Jack Belling from Oregon State, to, to be honest with you, I just haven't 
heard uh, his name there. Um, that would be more up Hank's alley in terms of sourcing or whatnot, so I can check in with Hank if he's heard anything, but I haven't. Oh, I did notice someone asked about David Benda. Um, yeah, feature return ace. That's exactly nail on the head. Great job, Jake. But someone asked about David Benda. Uh, decision hasn't been made yet. He can come back. Obviously, he can also leave. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was to lean a certain way, I'd probably say coming back uh, is what I would expect. That's not off any sourced intel. Just, you know, I guess just working and seeing different stuff like that. Like a lot of the, uh, the it seems like the stars are starting to align on him announcing a return. Which probably, elim- not probably, almost completely eliminates the need to go into the portal for an off-ball linebacker. Exactly. And also, man, with Jalen Ford gone, like, who is, like, who's in that room that isn't, that wasn't part of the 23 class so they can, like, yeah. be a better in presence to the young guys? Like, Mo Blackwell, they love him. He's a he's a great locker room guy for sure. But, I mean, shit, next year will be Bendis fifth or sixth year if he comes back, right? Sixth, yeah. Bendis, yeah, Bendis like, you, you know, you can't, you can't coach that. That's not something you can really find in the portal, you know. A player who's been there six years and can lead and sets a good example for the young guys. So I did, I did this um, earlier this morning, Jordan. I looked at because uh, the subject of Jake Majors coming back or not came up, and uh, he's Jake actually has two years of eligibility left if he wants to use them. So basically, I looked at we're we're not quite done with the COVID red shirts yet. I spoke too soon the other day. Uh, guys that could use their COVID red shirts, they have one year of eligibility from that 2020 class. And the 2020 class is the last class we'll deal with it. Alfred Collins, Keaton Crawford, Jade Barron, Jaron Thompson, Jalen Ford. Now, obviously, we're not expecting Jade Barron or Jalen Ford to use that extra year. Uh, haven't heard anything one way or the other on Alfred Collins, Keaton Crawford, or Jaron Thompson, but those three guys have an extra year if they want to use it. Uh, Vernon Broughton and Jake Majors both have two years left if they want. So as of right now, if I had to go through and predict all those guys, I'd say Keaton Crawford and Jaron are out. Alfred Collins, that's like put a blindfold on and have me throw a dart at a board. The old I just I don't I haven't asked about that. Um and don't don't have anything new on that. Um Jake Majors, I definitely think he's coming back for sure. Um yeah. I think they're going to have the whole line back besides Christian Jones, and that that'll be uh, Cam Williams at right tackle next year. Yep. Um, um, you know, with, with Jake with Majors, uh, with, you know, with Jake Majors, because somebody asked, well, if he if he's for sure coming back, you know, why is he? Why did he participate in senior night? I'm like, man, Sark just tells guys, look, if you're not if you're not a hundred percent sure, then just go ahead and do it, just so you know you make sure you get recognized, you know, you get your moment, but. Man, hell, we you can have two senior nights. It doesn't matter. Uh, Vernon Broughton's yeah, the other one that's got, that's got two years. Oh yeah, I, I right now I'm expecting him to come back. Yeah, yeah, I haven't heard anything. I haven't even heard Vernon Broughton's name mentioned as a possibility to to leave. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, Collins. I is do. Interesting, I though, man. Collins is interesting. We'll have this yeah, Alpha Collins hey. discussion the whole off season. If he comes back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking about those guys reminded me, I need to call you, Jeff, about some guys that are going to go on the portal from Texas that we haven't talked about before. It is none of the guys we just mentioned, by the way. 
<laughs> no, we do. No, but there's I'm just I want to make that clear. Yeah, there's probably I'd say that you and I have talked about previously. There's probably at least two names, maybe three that you mentioned is possibly going into the portal. And I mean, not, none of the portal entries, even Nayer, none of the portal entries so far have shocked us, caught us by surprise. Mm-hmm. There's stuff that either either we heard was coming or you can see the writing on the wall. Like, you know, we, I mean, these are the kind of discussions we have throughout the season. I mean, you know, you looked at like Larry Turner Good and BJ Allen. I mean, Derek Williams came in and was getting reps ahead of both of those guys in camp. Uh, Michael Taft was getting reps ahead of both those guys. So, and I know people hey, are like, well, safety's uh, getting kind of, safety's getting thin for the bowl game. I'm like, well, Larry Turner Good, I think, played in one game this year. I think he played in the Tech game, and that was it. And B.J. Allen, I think, played in two. So, I mean, it's not like, no disrespect to those guys, but it's not like you're losing even valuable depth pieces, you know? Yeah. Hey, man. If all else fails, they can put Savion Red back there. I'm very confident he would figure it out and is far from the worst option. Um, when Texas kicked the tires on defensive tackle, Quincy Wiggins from LSU just entered today. Uh, haven't asked, but, you know, I would expect, I believe, what year was he? I'm looking it up because I remember Texas kind of flirting with him a little bit back when uh, he was – Quincy Wiggins was 2022. Yeah. Was recruited by Bo Davis. Jordan, you there? Yeah, sorry. I'm I'm looking at the article they put out for whatever <laughs> He's three years left. He's played in nine career games, one tackle for loss, seven total tackles. He's played 16 snaps this year. I mean, I'm always – I don't think you could immediately dismiss guys that were highly highly recruited, highly rated guys coming out of high school on the interior D-line. You know, like we talked earlier, maybe it was earlier this week. Yeah, it had to be earlier this week, or I I don't remember. We talked about Amari Abor from Duncanville, getting in the portal from Ohio State. She's probably not – Texas doesn't need – I mean, if you need edge help, obviously, you know, Trey Moore fits more of what you need right now, of what makes sense. You know, you don't you've – you've got enough guys – you've got enough guys, Jordan, that are, you know, guys that have played a couple of years that are kind of project-type guys that can use a little more developing, you know, Jamon Tapp or Colton Vosick, whoever. Um, Billy Billy Walton. Billy, man, I I, for, I always forget to mention Billy Walton when we're talking about edge guys, and I'm sorry about that. I, I hate that because every, Bill. every time and every time after Texas scores on the ensuing kickoff, I'm not joking, dude. Billy Walton is the most hype dude on the sideline, and I always yeah. notice that. And I'm not, I don't know why I always forget to mention him with the edge guys, but yeah, you watch Texas, watch in the Sugar Bowl, Texas scores a touchdown. If you're at the Superdome. Scan the Texas sideline. Look for number thirty-one. He will be in, in white. He will be the most hyped dude in the building on the ensuing kickoff. Yeah, he was just like that in high school too. Um, a lot of people, I, I assume they know this, but if they don't, he's actually Malik Muhammad's cousin. Um, 
Malik Muhammad's cousin is actually on Washington's team, different cousin, but uh, Jabbar Muhammad, or different family, or whatever, but still cousin. Uh, but Jabbar Muhammad, the who's actually like Washington's best DB, um, in corner shutdown corner. That's Malik Muhammad's cousin. He actually used to be at Oklahoma State and transferred to Washington, mm-hmm. I believe, prior to this year. And at Oklahoma State, he was sharing the secondary with Corey Black, brother of Texas Target, older brother of Texas Target, Kobe Black, who's announcing uh, his commitment in six days. Um, real quick, because I got a Kobe Black question for you. Okay, so I was just checking Quincy Wiggins. Yeah, Quincy Wiggins redshirted in 2022. Uh, his career at LSU, 53 snaps played. Pro Football Focus has him down for one pressure, uh, four tackles, one missed tackle. All four of those tackles were stops. So there you have it. Speaking of Kobe Black, so when we talk about safety depth, and I know we've kind of been all over the place today, but it's the Nayer news popped during the show, and we've had some other moving parts. Uh, and you can get over to Horns 24-7. We cover all this and plenty more portal-related over there. What's interesting to me, though, with Kobe Black is we talk, we're talking about the safety position um, with Catalan in the portal and Allen and Turner Gooden in the portal and Derek Williams going to serve that suspension for the first half of the Sugar Bowl for the targeting penalty. Um, you know, safety help is on the way. And we talk about even, you know, the odds are that Jaron Thompson and Keaton Crawford both move on. You know, you're probably going to get help. I mean, it sounds like the folks that run our Florida site that are heading things up over there, um, they're starting to concede that we feel to me to Texas that they feel like the flip is inevitable at this point. Um, so you got that. I mean, you look at the, the pieces you're going to bring in at that position and then, I, I like mentioning Kobe Black, Jordan, with the safeties just because it's it seems like it's a pain in the ass for some people that just want to be like, he's a corner, he's a corner, he's a corner. I'm like, well, we have him listed as a safety, so I'm going to consider him a safety. Yeah. I've uh, just, whenever I write about him, I've been saying defensive back, so I don't get uh, hit with I'm that. Doing, I'm, but I'm doing look, he, at this point. Yeah, what does he play at high school? Primarily corner, but he plays everything. What does the 24-7 sports scouting team think his ceiling is highest at which position? Safety. What do I think his ceiling is highest at which position? Safety. Still think he can be a damn good corner, um, but I just think his ceiling is higher at safety. Um, And I know, (laughs) like in the spring, I was told like Texas was recruiting him to play safety. And he knew about it. So, like, I never got why people were getting so upset because we started listing him as a safety. Um, now he apparently it's corner is what he'll play at Texas. But, you know, things like that can always be changed or changed or they get changed. Um, uh, yeah. But, I mean, long story short, he'll, he'll be successful whatever position he's at. Guy, guys will, uh, as, as BK joins us, and I'm sure Trey will be here shortly, uh, Guys, I don't know if it's guys hearing what they want to hear. Coaches just kind of telling guys sometimes what they feel like they need them to hear. I know when Caden Stearns many years ago was committed to LSU, he at some point had the idea that LSU was going to let him play corner. So I checked with an LSU source who went directly to Corey Raymond and was like, hey, you guys recruiting Caden Stearns to play corner? And apparently Corey Raymond just started laughing his ass off. Like, no, he's a safety, 100%. We're not going to let him play corner. So I don't know. Sometimes guys just get in their mind for one reason or another. 
that they're one or the other, which it doesn't really matter. Dude, if you end up in the NFL, if you hit your ceiling and end up in the NFL, what does it matter whether you're a corner or a safety? You're in the top yeah. 1% of 1% of people who play the game, so I don't know. Well, let me let me ask you all this. Can Kobe Black sign and play safety for Texas in the Sugar Bowl? Uh, It'd be, it'd be everyone, nice. Everyone keeps – I know it's mostly sarcasm, but none of the portal guys or high school guys that they sign on the 20th are going to be able to play. They can be suited up, and I mean, I doubt they'll put them in full pads knowing that they can't play, but they'll probably just be on the sideline with the hoodie on, with the jersey over the hoodie or whatnot. Yeah, because you're you're one you're one GA or somebody screw up away from a guy getting in the game that can't be in a game. Like, oh, kickoff team, yeah, you go. Like, hey, Michigan is stealing signs. Why can't we do some cheating of our own? You know, let's go. If he ain't cheating, he ain't trying. Yeah, we're putting high schoolers out there. Is that even a huge advantage? Isn't that how the whole twelfth man deal at A and M was built off the dude coming in and making the tackle off the sideline? Yeah, Vince Papali, I think. Am I, am I getting my stories mixed up here? Trey is, Trey is not amused. BK, I figured you'd be in a little more sour mood having a full day to digest the Jeff Grimes news. So, uh, Man, you know, offensive coordinator of Zach Wilson, NFL legend, the Te- mill punter himself. Dude, dude, Kansas hired Jeff Grimes and Texas lost a basketball game to a team coached by Shaka Smart in the same week. Are you sure you're okay? Are you uh, n- no. No, I'm not. I'm I'm smiling through the pain. It's going to be an all. It's a heavy alts that weekend, isn't it? Yeah, there's no such thing as a weekend that isn't. But this one will definitely be. If we lose to Houston, Baptist, uh, Protestant, whatever they are these days, then that will be a huge problem. Well, they're just Houston. I mean, are they non-denominational now? Is that the is that the deal? Oh yeah, I think they they just gave up and they. They had everyone join forces. They need more bodies there, so they they dropped the Baptist to add everybody else. I've attended uh, I've attended many non denominational churches. I didn't know we were going by non denominational institutions now. So, is there a uh, Houston non denominational university that I'm not aware about? I mean, Houston Christian, I guess. Aren't, aren't they uh, non denominational? Oh. Yeah, uh, I thought they were going to call it H N D U or something. Just put non denominational in the title. Dude, they probably should. I mean, you probably get more eyeballs on you. It would help in that Google search. A little SEO help when people are looking you up. That's what we're all about. Trey, I'm looking forward to this afternoon. Yes, it'll be good to uh, catch up on a Friday again for the first time in a few weeks. I can tell you guys about the gangrene my daughter's pet rabbit got in his ear that's been fun to treat. You know? <laughs> Discuss that at 3.15 today. I feel like rabbits are disposable enough that you just get a new one at that point, right? Dude. My wife wanted this rabbit, and I'm like, I, Trey, I don't, I'm sure your wife has made calls like this where you're like, all right, I'm gonna give this about five minutes because I know, I know where this is gonna end up. Sure enough, about 48 hours with that rabbit, my wife's like, I'm over it, I'm done. I'm like, great. Now we're stuck with a rabbit. <laughs> I had the opposite happen to me. I agreed to do a trial run with a dog, and after a week, I'm like, I don't think this is gonna work for our family. And she's like, but he's already had two other homes, and I feel like he's going to be a good fit eventually. And I was like, oh, so you just fucking fooled me into taking this dog in when I didn't necessarily want it to begin with. Good work, wife. Way to go. Normally, I'm the one fooling you, but you fooled me this time. I've, I've already got I've already got my five-year-old preparing for our 14-year-old lab to die. She wants a new dog so we can not be without dog. I'm like... I've had a dog for as long as I've known my wife. Like I'm ready to be without dog for 
a minute. So at any rate, boys, have a good show. Trey, I'll see you this afternoon in that three o'clock hour. Looking forward to it. Good job, guys. Great job, fellas. See you.